they get too comfortable with their cushion job and we have to sometimes wrangle them back into <laughs> a good spot or move on to another. If you're a passive investor wanting to learn more about questions to ask sponsors in order to qualify the opportunities in order to qualify the sponsor in order to qualify the market that the property is in, then go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com. My team and I created this site just for you so that there is a free resource available to you to learn about the questions to ask, the things to think through prior to investing in deals. So go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com. It's a free resource for you that was made just for you. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. William Robison. How you doing, William? Doing great. How are you? I am doing great and looking forward to our conversation. And because today is Sunday, we've got a special segment for you, best ever listeners, called Skillset Sunday. And the skill set you're going to learn is a hybrid turnkey model. And we might have talked about it on the show before, but it's always good to get a additional perspective on this from a different person. So first off, if you recognize William's name as a loyal best ever listener, props to you because I interviewed William one other time, and that one other time was episode nine, the ninth episode. And it was titled, One Critical Component of Building a Real Estate Business. I have no clue. I do not remember what that critical component is. It's been five years. So if you want to know what that is, then go listen to episode number nine. So William has been in real estate for 15 years. He started a brokerage in 2008. Maybe I should listen to that too. It's important that I know what that critical component is building a business. He's helped dozens of investors purchase hybrid turnkey investments, totaling over 500 acquisitions, renovations, and and daily property management based in Kansas City, Missouri. William, you want to give the listeners just a refresher of your background, and then let's roll right into talking about hybrid turnkey model. You bet. So as you mentioned, 15 years in real estate, that was after two corporate downsizings. I decided to jump out of the corporate world and go into a much more exciting and lucrative opportunity of real estate. I have never looked back. It's been an exciting ride worked with investors for the majority of those 15 years. I did a little bit of REO during the debacle and bust in 08, plus or minus. And for the last six years, I've been working with investors to build up their own personal portfolios. Got it. So what is the hybrid turnkey model? Sure. So a lot of people are very familiar with what a turnkey real estate investment is. It's typically a single family house where a company has gone out, acquired the property, done some renovations, got that property leased up, and is selling it out to investors as a passive investment. What a hybrid turnkey property does is it offers them a little bit more transparency, and it gives them the opportunity to capture that built-in equity that can be built through that process. So what we do is we help an investor capture a property from the open market, whether it be an off-market transaction from the courthouse steps or MLS, we put them through a renovation process using our construction department. And then finally, we put them into the property management for the long term. Mm -hmm. So what that does is it gives them transparency of the process. They get to know exactly what's going on going into that property. And then they get to capture some equity along the way. Yeah. So that's the ideal model, I'd say, if you're looking to buy single family homes 
because if you buy on MLS and it's moving ready, then you'll be paying a premium. Whereas here you can capture some of the equity, as you mentioned, through the renovation process, assuming that the renovation process goes according to plan. Yeah, that's a big variable in this. What are some ways that you've seen it go wrong? And then how do you mitigate that from happening? There's always the hidden items that you're not going to know when you start. There's rarely ever going to be the $10,000 fined against the sheetrock inside the wall that we find on HDTV. But uh, there's rarely ever a surprise. Usually it's just a decision-making process of, hey, this roof has five to seven years of life left. Do you want to continue forward and have a CapEx item later? Or do you want to take care of that now and have a durable product for a long time? And there's several more examples like that. What really is what more? we're finding. Some more might be opening up the flooring and finding the subfloor that needs to be wiped out, opening up a wall in the shower, and we have to replace a shower valve rather than just retiling a shower out. That's a couple hundred dollar difference. So it's never anything that's just outlandish and going to completely blow a budget. And we do bake in a little bit of a contingency budget. The majority of the time, that's going to be covered through that. How do you know what to contingency budget to bake in? Typically, just a few percentage points of the overall budget. But after going through roughly 10,000 houses in my career, I have a pretty keen knowledge of what we're looking for in a property. And we typically have a, a pretty solid understanding of what we're going to have. Sometimes we're going to estimate on the high side and come in a little bit less. If we don't know exactly what we're going to find, we're going to make an assumption that it's failed and we need to fix it. For example, buying an REO in the wintertime in Kansas City where the pipes freeze, I'm going to assume that the pipes are broken and we're going to plan for that and expense for that. If we get in there and we load the lines and the lines hold pressure, fantastic. We just save 1500 bucks. Mm-hmm. When did you start doing the hybrid turnkey model? Hybrid turnkey started almost six years ago today. Okay. When you think Go about ahead. the business six years ago, as far as this business model goes to today, what are some things that have been optimized on your side? Volume pricing. We're able to capture some volume business from various contractors, from some suppliers, rather than buying a stainless steel appliance package that is a very good mid-grade brand and paying 2100 bucks on the shelf, I've got that negotiated down to 1400 bucks. So there's just some volume pricing by buying dozens or hundreds of X mm-hmm. out in the marketplace. Same thing happens with our plumber. We went and looked and saw how much we were spending in plumbing in a given year. It was about 80 grand. So we were able to go out to a variety of our different plumber vendors and say, this is the amount of money that you can capture if you're willing to give us some volume pricing discounts, et cetera. Same thing with our electricians and our roofers, et cetera. On that plumbing example, you spend 80000 a year on plumbing. What's a reasonable discount to ask for? It depends on exactly what they're going to be doing for you. A lot of what we're doing in that $80,000 is sump pumps and line clearing and water heater changeouts small items, nothing that's ever hugely drastic, but we're able to capture usually a a 30% discount to what we would have paid out on the market. So that's substantial line clearance, for example. Yes. Line clearing that could cost you a hundred to 120 
for a main stack, we're paying 65 bucks. So it's just a cost savings that you get by doing more than 100 a year. Do you have to go to multiple plumbers before you get one that says, yes, I'm good with that? Dozens. Dozens. Literally dozens. <laughs> yes. You go through literally dozens and then you finally find a taker? You know, America has done a fantastic job of bringing STEM, which is science, technology, engineering, mathematics, to the educational world. It's been a fantastic thing to help put America on the map. But what it's Not done the trade, so. on the flip side, yep. on the trade side, we're struggling yep. a lot. So all of our trades are highly maximized on the amount of business that they have. And the only way that we can go in and capture a discount from them is to offer them an opportunity to have more consistent work, less advertising budget, and find ways to help them save money so that they can help us save money on the flip. I'm glad we talked through this. So your talking points to them is you have more consistent work and maybe you ask them how much you spend on an advertising budget and they say X amount. You say, well, you'll spend X amount less as a result of that. Right. Any other talking points that you give them? We try our very best to do the majority of our work Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. So we're going to have that rare phone call that's going to be Saturday night at midnight with a flooded basement that we need help with. Yeah. But the majority of the business that we're going to give them is going to be during their optimal times that they want to have business anyway. So right. if they're an emergency type plumber, we can offer them an opportunity to have a little bit more family time at home and give them some volume during the daytime. I'm glad that we talked about this because it might be counterintuitive to some listeners that you had to go through dozens and dozens of plumbers to find one that was qualified and would accept your deal of, hey, I want 30% off. Yeah, the pricing. Because on the surface, people might think, oh, well, yeah, you give someone a lot of business, then you would get a discount and that makes sense. You just have to go to a plumber or maybe two if the first idiot turned you down. But the reality is, as you said, they're in such high demand. The good ones are especially in such high demand. And they don't need this type of structure because they can go and be busy Monday through Friday already and get premium pricing through single family home primary residence owners. Another good point is that our plumbers rarely stay with us for a very long time. Every once in a while, you're going to run into somebody that has price creep. They get way too comfortable and they try to increase their prices. And some of the standards that you set in place for a few different items that you can, the rest of the items start to have a little bit of price creep and they get too comfortable with their cushion job. And we have to sometimes wrangle them back into... <laughs> a good spot or move on to another. And sometimes <laughs> it becomes very comfortable. They outsource it. They hire someone else to take on our business. That person doesn't take care of us well. And we have a staffing issue that we have to correct. And half the time that means we have to change our vendor. Good info for really anyone working with vendors over the long term or contractors or subcontractors just to keep a watchful eye for price creep and just kind of check if you're doing the same type of stuff, keep those invoices and check them over time to make sure that if they are going up, which I would expect them to go up a certain amount over time just because of inflation, right, sure. but make sure that it's still in line with the market and you're also still getting whatever discount or agreement that you had agreed upon with them. 
Exactly. So a question that we get often is, why don't we have three plumbing beds on the sub pump? And as you can see, if you have a vendor who's willing to give you a really good pricing and only do it at this amount of volume, if I go and spread that out over three, then I'm going to get less of a discount. So if I take that 80 grand and drop it down to 27,000 per vendor, I'm not going to get that same level of attention. I'm not going to get the same level of service and I'm certainly not going to get the same level of discount. Mm. So yes, we want to make sure that we're on point on price, but we also want to make sure that we're maximizing for the vendor that is giving us the discount for that volume. Mm-hmm. So it becomes a little bit interesting working with a variety of our investors, especially on the property management side when they're looking for, Hey, can I get three bids on this? Sure. Push comes to shove. I'll get you two more retail bids. They're going to be 30, 40% higher, but having trust in your vendors, if you've built a good solid relationship with those people, have a little bit of faith in what they can do, but also make sure that there's transparency of what's happening at the same time. Anything else that we haven't talked about as it relates to the hybrid turnkey model that you think we should? You know, six years ago when the market was coming out of a big downturn and there was a lot of foreclosure inventory on the market and people were able to burr and do all kinds of fantastic financing methods and purchase properties at extreme discounts. That was a fantastic time. And if you bought during that time, kudos to you. I still believe that we're in a good market, not only Kansas City, but several other good markets around the country offer the same, but we don't have that same discount that we had five years ago. So recognizing where we're at in the market is an important factor. But I also still think that we have quite a bit of upside because we don't have enough inventory out there to take care of the demand that exists for rentals. We've got a new generation coming to the marketplace looking for rental properties because they don't want to be tied down to any particular location. Mm -hmm. And within that, we've got to be able to provide them with the supply and get that sent out to them. So specifically Kansas City, there was a lot of class A multifamily built out in the downtown area. Fantastic, great location, close to everything, lots of entertainment. But those same people are now having children. And when they're two and three and four years old, they start thinking, I need to go to the suburbs where there's parks and sidewalks and good schools. And that is where we've built our business. So within that, let's say that we've got a hybrid turnkey property that we're going to have an all-in of $150,000. That's going to be quite a bit more than we had five years ago. Mm-hmm. But the ability to replace that is still substantially higher. I cannot build a house for less than 190 grand in the market areas where these houses exist. So that means we still have a window of appreciation available for those that are willing to look at appreciation as part of that investment model. Is that what you look at, the replacement value? That's just one of the factors. Obviously, we're looking at cash flow. Cash flow is getting compressed. All across the country, we've got a large group of the national Wall Street players like Blackstone that are out buying up thousands and thousands of properties around the country. So we've got to be able to compete with those guys. But the replacement scenario is definitely still a piece of the puzzle. And if there's two different factors to look at in investment, what's your cash flow, whether that's positive, flat, or negative, what is your appreciation 
historically and what's expected, and then what kind of equity can you gain out of the investment. So there's three different ways to look at it, and we try to make sure that we're amplifying that for the particular investor's needs, and sometimes we need to modify their needs if they're thinking, I need cash flow today, and they're 25 years old, get ready to go into their prime earning years. They don't really need that investment to perform for them until years down the road. So we try to educate them into the direction of looking at IRRR that's going to perform for them much better over the course of the next couple of decades. As long as it's cash flowing out the gate, though, and you've got the right management in place, 2008 hits, and if it's cash flowing, you have the right management, you have a long-term loan on it, you still should be fine. You're stable. You're right. You're in great shape, and you've got more demand coming into play for those that are unfortunate enough to fall to the next recession. Yep. And three immutable laws of real estate investing, if you Google that, best ever listeners, I have a bunch of articles on that. Three immutable laws of real estate investing, Joe Fairless. Well, William, enjoyed our conversation. How can the best ever listeners learn more about what you're doing? They can certainly reach out to us. They can check out our website, which is very long, designed for Google, KansasCityInvestmentRealEstate.com. It's the best place to find out some information. And they can also email me directly at William at... KCINV, like investment, RE for real estate.com. William at KCINVRE.com. William, thanks for being on the show, talking about the hybrid turnkey model, talking about the biggest risk in that, which is the execution of the improvements on the property, and then how you mitigate that. And then we got into the weeds on volume pricing and contractors. And I'm glad we did because that is relevant, as I mentioned earlier, to really anyone who's looking to negotiate a discount with a vendor. The three talking points that you have is more consistent work, less advertising budget, and doing the work during the hours that they want to work. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have the best ever weekend. We'll talk to you again soon. Sounds great. Thanks so much. If you're a passive investor and want to learn more about Ashcroft Capital, the company I co-founded with my business partner, Frank, and in particular want to learn more about our strategy and how we think about the opportunities that we purchase, go to ashcroftcapital.com and click the strategy button above and you'll be able to read through our thought process we use when we're purchasing multifamily properties. Are you serious about taking the first step in the gateway to financial freedom? Then join Jake and Gino on a four-week course that will teach you how to become a multifamily real estate investor. Go to jakeandgino.com. That's J-A-K-E-A-N-D-G-I-N-O.com.